everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. She came early this time. <laughs> she did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Normally it takes her a minute. <laughs> Very true. Um, we were talking about oh, PCOS. She came early this time. Oh. <laughs> okay, sorry, we're getting there. It's all good. We're good to go. Okay. Yeah, we were talking about PCOS. I don't know if there's been a post about it recently or something's floating around. But I've been getting, lo- I, yesterday I did a Q&A and I got, I answered one question on peace, like how would I, um, actually, actually the specific question was on insulin resistance, but it was how would I diet a client who is insulin resistant? And I, I said, well, I would want to know the exact context we're talking about here because, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. Um, but let's say it's PCOS and I talked about it. And it's really interesting because then I had loads of questions like, do I have to go low carb? Da, 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 da. And the answer is like any, I have PCOS and anyone who's suffering from it, the answer is no, you don't have to, as long as all things are equal, really calories and protein. And, you know, Emma did a post on this recently as well. The main thing with th- that specifically, specifically PCOS is exercise. You know, we talk about resistance training and postprandial walking. These things are, are, are going to be much more impactful than whether or not you go low carb. Would I personally, as a coach, if I just had someone come on and they were really struggling with their weight, implement that deficit via a lower carb, higher fat diet within calories, protein equal and everything I've just said? Yeah, I'd probably start that way. I definitely wouldn't stay that way, but I probably would. I, you know, I'd probably hedge my bets a little bit initially. And then I'd bring them back, back up via carbohydrates and everything would equal out. Um, but I think the main, the crux of the confusion is, do I have to go low carb? And the answer is no, you don't. And the answer is, and this really applies to everybody with maybe a few exceptions with kind of hormone replacement therapy and um, things like that, you know, and that's, and, and medication for certain things. Like w- when you put that in a box, put medicine in a box, the same rules apply to everybody, regardless of what you've got. Um, obviously, unless it's a huge food intolerance, in which case, <laughs> please ignore that. But with hormonal stuff, yeah, it, uh, like I say, medicine aside, the same rules apply to everybody. So uh, I just thought that, that I've obviously been getting loads of questions about it. So I thought we may as well just clear that up. Emma, what do you think about all that? Would you agree? What would you do? Yeah, and I mean, I agree. It's, it's interesting because a lot of the time when people are told to go on a low carb diet, it's because they've got type two diabetes. Yeah. And in that situation, if that's caused, which the vast majority of time it is by an excessive amount of stored energy, body fat, then actually any way that you lose that body fat will increase insulin sensitivity. So it doesn't need to be a low carb diet. And there's loads of research showing that you can reduce or actually reverse your diagnosis of type two diabetes on a low carb diet or a high carb diet. The critical thing seems to be the loss of body fat. What's a little bit different with PCOS is that you can have a lean phenotype of PCOS, but still be insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. So it's not the excess body fat that's holding you back there. 
So there might be like some slight benefit to going on a slight, like as Chloe was saying, like a slightly lower carb diet. And I think the reason that like we probably would drop your carbs is because most people eat a lot of carbs, like an, and an easy way to kind of keep food volume high, keep protein high, keep healthy fats in, but reduce calories is halving your starchy carb portion. Like yeah. if you want a really easy way to just quickly diet a little bit or like drop a couple of calories like half your starchy carb portions and fill it with fruit and veg and like that's a really quick simple hack if you will and you won't feel like you're eating less because it feels like the same volume of food yeah yeah just to put that into kind of a sharp focus for anyone if uh for example and I know everybody hates this and it's so controversial but I don't give a shit because clients need help they need ideas they need examples so I'm just gonna go ahead and do it anyway uh, so, for example, like a packet of Uncle Ben's microwave rice is 400 calories. A packet of cauliflower rice is 40. So it's 10%. So, and not to mention, especially if we're talking specifically about white rice, the cauliflower is going to be way more filling, way more filling. So you get more bang for your buck by making behavioral shifts like that um, in more ways than one. And yeah, it's definitely things to think about. And Emma and I have talked about this before. I'm really fed up of people being like, if your coach tells you to have, and you always use courgette as a specific example, because there's one girl who I love and she did a huge post on this and it made me really, really angry. Um, and she was like, if you want to piss off Chloe, just like bad mouth cauliflower. <laughs> bad mouth vegetable and I will come for you. She was like, if your coach tells you to eat courgette instead of spaghetti, fire them. And it was like, thank you girl, whose actual profession it is to be a powerlifter and who obviously is like training like a fucking beast every day. But when you have clients who are literally really struggling with their weight and have a very full schedule and a very sedentary job is a really nice way to get them to eat more, feel more satiated, get healthier. And I'm sorry, but it's fair to say that vegetables are healthy. They just are. Um, and, uh, and, and be able to adhere to their diet by making swaps like that? Of course it is. And I, I think there's this really weird like internal echo chamber of like, especially women on social media in our industry who just seem to think that like their way of doing things and their experiences and their opinions apply to like the mass female population. And it doesn't. And all it says to me is that they're not working with them. So anyway, sorry, I don't know why I'm so ranty. I need uh, to- I think that's a really important point to make. I was about to rant on almost exactly this because Katie put up a post in the group this morning saying she'd come back from holiday. She had an amazing time, no food, food girl, like okay. ate food that she enjoyed, but you know, like she's put on a little bit of weight, fine. And now she's like, can I lower my calories a little bit for the next couple of weeks? And, and then I was just like, yeah, of course, totally fine, not a big deal. But I think it's the same, like a lot of coaches would be like, if your coach is telling you to lower your calories after you've been on holiday, fire them. Like it's context. And I think exactly what you're saying, what people need to remember is not everyone has a fucked up relationship with food. Yes. Not everyone is reducing their calories after their holiday because they hate themselves so much for putting on two pounds. They're just like, oh yeah, put on a little bit. Now I'm going to eat a little bit less. Like it literally can be that simple. Yeah. And like, this is Emma is my MO. And from day one, when like, we're here for the client, don't get me wrong. I fucking love Instagram Q and A's because let's be honest, they're really fun. If you, if you enjoy your job and they're really self-indulgent, like it's really enjoyable. It's fun to sit there and be like, ask all these questions. Like that's why we love it. 
But Emma and I, Emma and I, Emma and my, I don't know how to grammatically say that. Emma and my, yeah. <laughs> Emma from day one has been serve the client, put out information that even if it's not trendy and even even if it's not seen as like, I don't know, like pro women, which has just been so disgustingly morphed and bastardized now into just one type of woman, but fine. We don't care. We're here to put out information that's going to help you guys. And like, that's always been the plan. And at the moment, I'm just seeing a lot of like, I wouldn't even call it virtue signaling. Uh, what would I call it? I don't even know what it is. I, I see a lot of just women projecting what they think onto everybody and making, because it sounds good and it sounds righteous. And when something sounds righteous, you know, we really want to get behind it. And we all want to get involved, but you know, righteousness is void of wisdom a lot of the time. So it, it's quite frustrating to see it because I don't think it's serving the client or the market. I think it's serving the social media character and I'm not saying there isn't a place for it I think it really causes debate I have this conversation with my dad a lot about you know the far right and the far left in politics I get really frustrated because I'm proper liberal lefty I get really frustrated with the far right a lot of the time as I would hope a lot of us do and my dad's like we need it it regulates politics it regulates society it raises questions that maybe the liberal left are actually scared to raise in case they cause offense which is actually pretty true um, and I think it's great I, I think we need conversation around all of these topics but I just think, it, I, I just see a lot of self-serving messaging and I don't really get the point in that. Oh, it's a popularity thing, isn't it? Like everyone, it, you're kind of telling people how they feel as well. Who else feels like they don't want to diet? Like, yeah, everyone. Everyone! Like, <laughs> like, of course, it's like, oh, look, don't like, don't restrict yourself. Eat whatever you want. Of course, that sounds fucking great. But what they don't say is also you'll get no results. Like yeah. you still have to put the work in if you want to get results. And that's not like, diet culture messaging or like damaging messaging that's just fucking life like you don't expect to get paid if you don't turn up to work you can't expect to get results if you haven't put in the effort like it that's as simple as it is but you're right like it's not quite virtue signaling but it's something it's just like popularity you know that people are going to like it if you put up a post being like hmm fuck dying oh how useful to everyone like Maybe I should do it, just see what everyone does. I was actually thinking when I was doing this Q&A yesterday, like I can't wait for April Fool's Day when I'm going to do one. And I'm literally just going to have so much fun with all my answers. But you know what else? And I, this is the last thing I promise because I know I'm really ranty and insane. I don't even know where I get it from because neither of my parents are like this. I have no idea where this comes from. Um, but I am also getting really sick and tired of like health and fitness professionals putting up like copious photos of all the, you know, quote unquote junk food they eat in a day while also simultaneously having the messaging, you shouldn't be posting what you eat in a day. Here's my cake. And it's like, wait, you're doing it. And again, full circle back to what I first started saying, that's way less helpful than someone being like, look, this is how I stick to my 1800 calories in a day. Maybe you can get some meal ideas. You don't have to eat the same as me. Also, like, how patronizing to the viewer to think that they're going to see that and be like, okay, she's telling me I have to eat exactly this. It's like, no, it's like, look at it. Check like the good form of cherry picking, you know, being like, oh, that could work. Oh, that's a nice idea. Oh, I didn't realize I could make pea soup high protein just by putting some Greek yogurt in it. And it's creamier. Um, but it's like, come on, like it's so patronizing to the to the client or to the to the audience. It's like, don't post what you eat that's good, but absolutely post all the shit you eat. When I have a client who's a hundred pounds overweight, who's really fucking struggling to get into the new swing of quote unquote dieting, and you're making it work, like you're making it harder. And then she's looking at you going, Well, how do you have abs? And I don't. Like, and I eat, I want to eat that and I can't. And you know, obviously, this is all I'm being, you know, I don't know what the word is. 
general of course you can but it's like do you understand what I'm saying it's it's very frustrating and like I say I don't think it's helpful for our client I think depending on who your client base is like I can see how useful that is for someone with a massively disordered relationship with food to be like oh look I can eat donuts and still stay in shape that's great but actually beyond that you're like there's no context here you don't see also behind the social media where I fucking know a lot of these people like the rest of what they're eating is salads or nothing like energy and this is what you need to notice when you look at people on social media if you're like oh my god all they eat is burgers and donuts and whatever you cannot defy energy balance so two one of two things are happening they're either not eating anything else or then they have a huge energy expenditure like there isn't any getting away from it yeah of course you can enjoy like treats within your diet absolutely but you can't eat them all the time and I think that's like the context that's often missing and I think it shows like a huge disconnect and again depending on who your client base is maybe that is the right messaging for your client base but if we were to do that there'd be a huge disconnect between who we're trying to help the messaging that we think is actually helpful to people and what we're putting out on social media yeah you're right though it is and I wrote a post about this the other day you're right it's not fair for me to say it's because for some people it really is helpful and so I actually I, I walk that back I take that back but um I do think you're right I do think it's like different strokes for different folks and I did this post different coaches for different clients <clears throat> the, the, the idea that all women have had an, a disordered eating past it's very quite horribly common and I'm not unsympathetic to that it's awful and it happens all the time and trust me like I have you know I've, I've had my fair share of issues with what people think of me believe me but it's fair to say that not all women have suffered with an eating disorder and are now trying to overcome it um But then I do, you know, like I say about the pendulum swing, you know, when you have all this messaging on social media for as long as we did about the perfect body and the perfect diet and the perfect this, the perfect that, of course, there's going to be a huge pendulum swing the other day, but we do start showing photos of this and that. And and I say extremes are just so base. (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's like the glamorizing of that, right? And like the encouragement of like eating crap, essentially. Like, I think it's not as bad now, but there used to be... Mike was talking about this actually. Do you remember when there was like this thing on Twitter called Pre Mars and everyone would eat a Mars bar before their workout? Like for no reason whatsoever. Oh my God, back when I was on Twitter before I left because of all the trolling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there was the huge like Pop Tart, like you've got to have a post workout Pop Tart if it fits your back rows. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Right. Like on the surface, I'm so for that. I'm like, look, you can fit food you like into your calories and still hit your protein. Great. But when it's taken out of context, it's not helpful and actually when you're I don't know uh the standard woman who's maybe needing to diet on 1600 calories trying to fit in a donut every day is just not sensible you just gave me an idea for a post so I'm just I'm just making a note oh excellent right we've got loads of questions here so should I get on yeah get on with it babes all right okay Jill hi girls I'm struggling with exercise because it's all new to me I keep having to re-watch the YouTube videos which is very frustrating and clunky is there a 30 minute follow along routines on YouTube that you could recommend or and I know it's a big ask could, would it be possible for you to produce a video like this no okay the reason I'm going to say absolutely not to this is because you need to learn this like it takes a little bit of effort but it's well 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 worth the investment and actually like it's a relatively short investment like once you 
watch the videos a few times, try out the exercises a few times. That's it. That's it for life. Like you don't need to go back and watch the video on how to do a push up because now you just know or how to do a lateral raise because now you just know. But it does take a little bit of investment, but it's so worth it because this is your training program for the rest of your life. Like you're going to need to know what these exercises are to get the best results. I agree. It's um, the more that you do, I, what I would recommend that you did if you wanted to, well, first of all, both Hayley Madigan and Courtney Black do like work, like home workout stuff. Um, so if you wanted to follow one of them and do one of their home workouts, do like that's what they're there for. You know, they're there to help people like you who are kind of new to it, who want to learn. The other thing I would say is like pick one workout, just pick one and learn and keep repeating it. I mean, I, you say, I mean, I think you're doing home body weight, which means that you're typically going to have a full body workout in there because that's typically how Emma and I write full um, home body weight workouts. So I'm not worried about you overtraining one part of your body if that's the case. Pick one workout and learn it. And I promise you then, when you move on to your set, when you know it back to front, off by heart, when you go on to your second workout, you'll know 50% of the exercises in there. A squat is a squat is a squat. A star jump is a star jump, you know, an ab, a crunch is a crunch. And, and, and learn the second one back to fun. Don't change it. And then move on to, and I guarantee you, I swear to God, by the time you hit workout five, you'll know every exercise in the full body workouts. So there's only so much you can do, especially with body weight. Um, and then, you know, if you find some, everybody's different. Some people love home body weight workouts. I definitely have one-to-one clients who will not leave the body coach workouts. Like they just won't come away from it. And I'm like, all right, fine. You've got to work with what you've got. Um, but if like most people, at least that I know clients that I've had, you decide that it's actually not that fun, home body weight workouts, they're really hard. And in my opinion, they're quite boring then come back and talk to us about investing in some weights, some dumbbells, some resistance bands will work and then all potentially even joining a gym. Mm -hmm. And don't like, you can absolutely do this. It just takes a little bit of practice. Yeah. And, and it will be worth it. Yeah. Okay. Laura. Hey, lovely ladies. Any negative evidence regarding kids having whey protein? I make them smoothies with lots of veggies in and the sweetness of the protein powder makes it three and five-year-old palatable. Fine, great. Remember that whey protein is just milk, <laughs> basically. Um, Dawn, finally made a live. Hello, both brand new newbie, round one and going well and enjoying it. Struggling a little bit to get the third workout in, but getting to grips with them. Working hard on changing my mindset as well and not feeling guilt around going quote unquote off plan which is a bit of a struggle, especially as we're going away next week for five days. Don't want to undo the hard work. Loving your podcast too. Yeah, I think that's a mindset that everyone needs to keep calling themselves out on. Like, we still struggle with that as well. Like, like oh, I'm, you know, I don't want to go off plan or I don't want to undo X. And just realizing, like, that's part of life. Like, it's never going to be exactly perfect. Going away for five days, making good choices and then getting straight back on track when you get back. Mm that's that's all you can do and that's part of like enjoying life while you're getting results at the same time mm. yeah there's a there's a really weird like a push pull and it, it it feels contradictory in your head but it's actually it's something that we want you to really work with like a what's it like a tug of war like be the rope don't be either side be movable don't be pulling to be all one way and what i mean by that in the context of you going on holidays if there's something on the menu, like let's say you're in you're in Italy 
and there's like a, you know pizza on the menu and you want it fucking order it and then the the pull of that will be like instead of feeling guilty and being like oh shit like okay well now that's it i'm gonna just do everything and now i'm gonna have this and this and this and this and this then pull like move the other way and be like okay well maybe i'm actually pretty full as i would suspect anybody would be after a big pizza i'll probably swerve dessert this is like the moving and what happens when you move like that means you accept a like a fluctuation but you also accept fluctuations of your diet and your body and your life and it's it's about being malleable do you like this i really like this <laughs> i i also think i really resonate with done is better than perfect and like perfectionism is just a trap because you'll never get there and ironically like this this thought process and the mindset of being a perfectionist means that even if you were quote unquote perfect you still wouldn't be perfect because you wouldn't let yourself be perfect so if you just accept that you're always going to be 89% out of 100, but actually that's the 80-90% that gets the most results and you'll kill yourself for that extra 10%, then you can kind of just get on with things. And, and that is how you get results. Like don't stress out about tiny deviations from the plan. Yeah, Emma's like literally like a walking example of like imperfect action. She does the actions every day, but she doesn't ever bore herself down with the imperfect. And that's why she's in the shape she's in. And that's why she's as happy as she is with it all as well. Like I say, guys, malleable. Be the Malleable. Right. But also it's, tr it's true with like stuff we do business-wise as well. Yeah. Like if we'd waited to get everything absolutely perfect before we released anything, we still, we still wouldn't have released anything. And part of that is like, you need to learn as you go. Like you adapt as you go. Like we wouldn't have known what was going to work, what wasn't going to work unless you try something, figure out that wasn't exactly perfect. And then you adapt and go. And that's the same with life. Like you try a certain way of doing something, you need to iterate on it. That's why we give you pretty basic targets to stick to. You try them, you adapt if required, you make little changes and then you move forward again. Like you cannot know if something's going to work for you until you try it. But if you're in this perfectionist mindset of it needs to be perfect before I even start, you'll never even start that process. Yeah. And it's like, we were talking about this the other day. Like, we always, we, not always, but with every round, we get a client who's like, this seems very broad. And it's like, yeah, that's the point. Well, like, oh, well, you know, more specificity. It's like, okay, I'll give you everything optimal. Let's see how many weeks you can hit it before something happens. You quote unquote ruin your streak. And we're back at square one. And we're going to do the first thing that I suggested that we do. And we're not going to lose four weeks of our time here. And yeah, it's uh, like Emma said, it's about starting at really base level and iterating as you go. Yeah. And so much of this like isn't about physiology. It's not about having a perfect calorie target. It's about human behavior. And we can't possibly know until we start doing this. And you can't possibly know either what exactly is going to work for you. So there might be an, in theory, physiological best target for you three calories. But if that's not practical, if that means that you feel massively over-restricted, or maybe it might even be that you could drop your calories lower, but we won't know that until we actually try. Yeah. Okay, there's actually a question here as well. Uh, my question, before I send it too soon, is how long do we have to keep weighing ourselves in daily? Not enjoying that, but, and trying, not enjoying that, but, and trying so hard not to be disappointed by the constant up and down. Thank you, lovelies. Do, do you um, say that? I don't know if Dawn is Scottish, but that was something that I really struggled with when I moved to Scotland. People will finish their sentences with but. Why? Like, this is a good example. They'd be like, I'm not enjoying that, but. And I'd always be like, 
But they, are, you, are we listening to? Do they mean bit? But the action is making us think. But no, like, no. People actually say but. It's it's Hi, like saying, it's like saying oh, I'm I'm not enjoying that though. Like they use but instead of though, and I'm like oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's oh, weird. That is weird as well. Yeah, a little bit. But you might say that like I'm not enjoying that though. Okay, I love how you read that you're like but and then obviously the penny dropped I would have been like she's obviously just gone to write something I do it all the time and anyway. you very well might have been trying to write bit um yeah <laughs> potentially um look yeah guys the whole point of you stepping on the scales every morning and seeing these weight fluctuations is meant to take the power away from the scales when you step on once a week and you have some massive fluctuation that's completely arbitrary and doesn't reflect anything of anything of anything the whole point is to make you see to make you learn now that's like somebody saying you know everybody should track actually tracking i've had clients multiple times in the past it's really fucked with their relationship with food instead of done what it's meant to do like the weighing in and we've had to come away from that and figure something else out and it's the same with the weighing in um if it's really messing with your head which is the antithesis of what it's meant to do uh, well, I'm happy for you guys to wait till the week um, after your period, weigh in that week, every day, get the lowest uh, weekly weigh in, and then crack on as you were. And that's probably, if we're going to hedge our bets, the best time for you to do it. Um, and then you don't have to do it, you know, every week. Emma, what do you think? I agree with that under the pretense that you've really thought about this first. So like there are pros and cons to doing that. Like we won't get as good a data and it's totally fine and like actually weight is just one of many markers and we can look at your measurements we can look at your performance in the gym we can look at what you look like in the mirror but if you are doing that then you can't get annoyed that you might be missing like actual drops in weight that you're not seeing because of normal fluctuations that might be happening that week um i think it's really important to make sure you totally understand what happens with weight first like why these fluctuations are happening that yeah. it is absolutely 100% impossible for you to put on any measurable amount of body fat overnight. Like yeah. any fluctuations that are happening day to day physically cannot be body fat. And I can't make that like, I can't emphasize that enough. Like when we get people checking in on, on Monday, potentially standard, what happens, they've eaten different foods over the weekend. Maybe it was, maybe it was higher calories, maybe it was more salty, maybe there was higher food volume, whatever it is, they weigh more on the Monday than they did on the Friday and they freak out. If you're three pounds heavier on Monday than you were on Friday, there is no chance that is fat. If you came to us and you were like, I'm three pounds heavier than I was four weeks ago, yeah, like some of that might be fat. Like long-term trends tend to indicate roughly what's going on. But overnight, if you've put on weight, it's not fat. That, that's why we're, we're not worried about it and I, and yes you can kind of avoid that and you can just weigh yourself less frequently if it's messing with your head but really what we'd rather is that you really get your head around that and you're like well fluctuations like I weigh that much more today than I did yesterday and understanding the calorie density of fat as well is really useful like one pound of fat is 3,500 calories so if you need if you were going to put on one pound of fat in a day you'd need to eat 3,500 calories over your maintenance so if your maintenance is 2000 that means you've eaten 5500 calories so if you haven't had a huge binge then and you've stuck to your targets like you know there is no way in this world that you could have stored that much energy so it can't be fat 
But if you still feel like it's impacting you, then yeah, sure, don't worry. I have absolutely nothing to add to any of that. And I really hope, I mean, I kind of, you know what, you know, when you think that people, because you, we know, and we talk about it so much, we forget that we've got new people coming in every round who maybe haven't heard this before. So yeah, nothing to add, Emma, well done. Okay, Gwen. Morning, ladies. Is there any alternative to push-ups? I broke my... Wrist. Wrist. We'll just call it risk. Uh, years ago and struggle with doing any press-ups. Many thanks. Um, you could do chest press um, if you're at the bench press, if you're at the gym or, ch or chest press. You could do like a chest press machine or you could do bench press or you could do it with dumbbells. You could do flies as well, again, on cables or with dumbbells. Anything that's going to work that like chest, upper body area is absolutely fine without putting that load through your wrist. I don't know. I don't know what will work and what won't though, re your wrist. So just try them and see. Probably dumbbells more than a more than a bench press. Yeah. Yeah. See how you feel. I mean, it's hard for us to say Like we have numerous things like this. Like, oh, what, what alternative can I do to squats that won't hurt my back? And it's like. We don't live in your body, so it's really hard. Like basically, what leg exercise can you do that isn't going to aggravate your back? What exercise can you do that's going to work your arms and your chest that isn't push-ups, that doesn't hurt your wrist? Sometimes even things as simple as having a neutral wrist. So a lot of the time what people struggle with with push-ups is like the hand bending backwards, and that's what's causing the pain. So you could hold on to something, um, like do it onto a bench or something so that you can keep a neutral wrist. Uh, or hold dumbbells and do press-ups onto dumbbells so that again you've got that neutral wrist but yeah just just try things there's always a way around things so it's just quite hard to tell without a little bit more information you doing are you doing uh, press-ups onto dumbbells there I just don't do it I don't do neutral wrist anything so whenever you say it I'm always like why would you do that <laughs> yeah um hey ladies haven't got a question but just want to say thank you I've stayed the same this week in pounds, but have lost two inches from my waist and two inches from my hips in the last two weeks. So happy. Really? Excellent work, Laura. Love that, Laura. <clears throat> uh, there's a couple of people saying I'm Irish and I say but to Samantha says that people say it in Glasgow. Dawn says she's not Scottish, but she's in Somerset. Somerset. <laughs> and she just added but by mistake. <laughs> I'm walking around <laughs> the rugby pitch while getting my steps in. Okay, well, that's fine then. It's, I don't know if this is the same Dawn. I don't know how many Dawns you've got, but there is a, a new Dawn in the group whose posts I very much enjoy. And I very much Is like. it Dawn Haig-Brown? I don't know. I can't remember. I'll have to look. Let's just give her that credit. Well done, Dawn. We love you. Well done, Dawn. We like your posts. <laughs> I don't actually know. How many Dawns do we have? Anyway, do we have anything left on the live? Yeah, Suzanne. Just want to say a massive thank you. I've trained in tracks for quite a few years, but you guys have totally changed my mindset in regards to food and calorie intake. I've not seen huge changes in weight, but it's slowly going down and I feel so much happier and settled. Like I can actually sustain this. Mwah! That's it. Like that is like the epitome of what we want to create for people. Yeah. Happy, healthy, moving in the right direction. Makes Perfect. It's very good when people say stuff like that. So thank you for sharing. Okay, Aileen, trained five times this week. Tonight I'm having pasta with some better choices and more veg. I'm hungry and craving more this week. Also, death hormonal. Yeah, good, but good insight into the workings of your hormone, hormone riddled body. 
<laughs> okay, um, Gwen's just saying she was asking about the press ups. It, she actually broke the bony bit of her elbow. So it's probably the, the flexion. Yeah. yeah. Um, so flies probably would be the best thing. 100%. Um, Nicholas just saying no question but I got a round of applause in the pool this morning because I was looking so strong and fast thanks ladies feels so positive oh oh my god I thought the only people that get got round of applause in a pool were children and Olympians <laughs> that's really cool what did you do um, oh my god. is she the exception to the rule who can do like the <laughs> <laughs> is that the butterfly there <laughs> I, I can't do it I don't know how people do it no, I can't do it. I think I'd dislocate my shoulders. Oh, yeah, you would. I mean, you can't even reach behind you. Pathetic. <laughs> right, okay, we're down on the line. Okay, well, we have three dawns. Oh, good. It's just dawned on me. No! <laughs> How do we even still have clients? <laughs> I don't okay, right, here we go. Let's get to the queries. Okay, Lauren. Hi ladies, I have a question about protein. It's something I've struggled with in the past when tracking. I'm not a huge meat eater and I don't like yogurt or quark. What is quark exactly? It's like soft fat-free cheese. Oh, okay, fine. Quark. <laughs> I don't like quark. Imagine people just said that, like, hi, can I have some... <laughs> put it in a food bible because i don't know what it is and i think i'm like i'm sure vegetarians eat something called quark but i don't know what it is so i used to be like obsessed with it and then i realized that actually greek yogurt was like the same macros and way tastier yeah greek yogurt's a bomb um oh that really made me lol uh which has made it hard do you recommend adding protein powders or bars in my diet to help me increase my protein intake are there any other supplements you recommend yeah, I think one to two protein supplements a day if you're really struggling um, is fine. Any more than that, probably not great for your um, stomach and, and also just not great in terms of getting a variety of, of protein in. Um, make Really go and have a look at the Food Bible. It's in the Intro to Nutrition file, although actually is it just a standalone Food Bible now? Yeah, in the download yeah. file. Yeah, standalone Food Bible and... I, other than quark for reasons we've already talked about i literally list like every vegetarian vegan everything oh emma i wanted to ask you a question um option that there is but yeah one to two protein um supplements today i'm happy with um i was reading your post the other day and you were like a uh, pescatarian choices of protein like soy now i was like so a pescatarian choice of protein like soy because you're not like a meat eater you just eat fish yeah, still, I would just think like like fish would be the end of that sentence. Yeah, why did I write that? What was the context? It works either way. I read it to James and I was like, does that confuse you? He was like, it works either way. And I was like, I don't know, but it was a really good uh, Maybe there was a reason for... Was I talking about myself? No. <laughs> no. Why was I talking about soy? You just said, no, it was just the way you said a pescatarian choice of protein like soy. And I was like, that's a funny way to end that sentence because it is a pescatarian option of protein, but you just wouldn't expect that that would be the end of that sentence. I just found it quite interesting. Oh, okay. No, I know why I did it. 
because it was the fertility thing the fertility thing yeah and actually because it was especially soy because of its estrogenic effect yeah yeah I didn't you know I can see the confusion there (laughs) that's why I like highlighted soy because I was like that exclamation mark and I was like that's a really interesting way to end that sentence I did not expect it it was a sucker punch but it worked yeah it was a little surprise at the end there I did I did think about that actually now that you're saying it because I was like yeah that is an odd thing to say except that fish is is beneficial no and and that's because what estrogen mimicking in in the body what's that new supplement that's that's doing the rounds at the moment that it's already on the market in Russia very well studied to the point of like creatine I can't even remember what it's called but it mimics testosterone in the body and loads of powerlifters are asking me about it and I haven't done enough research to really go into it no it's something else I'd never heard of it before and one of my powerlifter friends asked me about it and he I was like oh, I don't really know about it to be honest I don't feel comfortable answering he's like well will you look into it for me and I was like yeah sure so starting anything with- that mimics a hormone I'd be pretty careful about that's what I said to him but it's completely natural it's like oh, isn't everything um but yeah anyway but I find I'll- that so anything that's totally natural that's mimicking a hormone will have a really small effect so fine but if it doesn't then you probably want to be quite careful with it (laughs) yeah so this is what I was thinking too but everything I've read on it so far is like seems pretty legit but I need to do more I need to do more research anyway what are your thoughts on the adding protein per diet (laughs) yeah I think go look at the food bible it's incredible it has like every list of vegetarian vegan sources of protein that you you could possibly want if you want to take a weight supplement yeah great um yeah Okay, anything on the live before I go to the next one? Uh, Liz is just saying, you two sound drunk today. It's making me laugh. <laughs> I've had too much coffee. It's Sunday morning. Uh, and Jill's saying, can you please explain what creatine is and why we should take it? What format slash amount do you recommend? Do you want so to creatine is a supplement that is actually in your diet anyway. It's just that most people don't get enough to saturate our stores of it it's your energy source for the quickest way to produce energy so like your first energy system which is called the phosphocreatine system that's how you produce like power so the first couple of I mean most people think of it as like max out strength but it's also just your first movements like standing up in a chair will use your phosphocreatine system because it's it needs immediate energy um and if you have more creatine, then potentially you can lift heavier weights, which means that you can build more muscle. Like that's kind of how it works. There's also some really interesting potential cognitive benefits mm-hmm. and especially interesting in terms of neurodegeneration. Yeah. So we would recommend taking it. It's very cheap. And we would take three to five grams a day, every day. Simple. The rest of your life. Yeah. Anything else? Nope, we're good on the live. Fab, okay. Louise Keenan Johnston. Hi there. I love running and I want to continue on with this. Previously, as marathon training, I was doing four runs and one to two strength training sessions a week. I take it it's time to do three runs and three strength. Yes, perfect split. Well done. My biggest challenge will be the nutrition. I'm working close to full time and often extra in the evenings. And I have a wee boy age three. And I do find it hard to eat well, get enough sleep, plus do the workouts I enjoy, and hit steps all 
tip. Welcome. So uh, three runs from Truth Strength Training before we kick break. Read the nutrition. It's like absolutely everything in life when you're busy and you have a lot on your plate. Plan, you know, do come up with, I talk about this all the time, what meals you like, which are going to hit your numbers. What do you like to eat in a day? Go out, do a big food shop. If you have to meal prep, meal prep, just plan and execute. And I promise you, like changes, like dietary changes are hard at first because, you know, you're eating all day every day and you're shifting all your behaviors. But I promise you, once you get into the swing of it, it actually is going to become a lot easier um, to, to uh, adhere to, implement and, and figure out. Um, now, in terms of set, you don't say where you're, Three runs a week would make me think that you're probably going to hit your stats on a, as a 70K weekly average, even if some days you're lower and some days you're higher. And you say you're doing three strength training as well. If you're at the gym and, and you find that your steps are kind of lagging under that 70K mark that week, just do 10 to 20 minutes on like an incline treadmill after your workout, and that will probably top you up. Um, but I mean, Louise, you know, you posted this over a week ago. So come back and let us know how you're getting on agreed nothing to add um samantha's just asking is creatine nothing to do with creatine kinase levels in the blood and this is quite a complex <laughs> answer but basically creatine kinase levels are often used to assess whether you have is it liver or kidney damage uh kidney kidney yeah filtration yeah so that's why doctors are worried if they're elevated what it can also mean is that you've simply had muscle breakdown. So like if you've been to the gym within a couple of days, then it's probably quite normal to have slightly elevated creatine kinase levels. Similarly, I think if you supplement with creatine, they might be slightly higher, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. And I spoke quite a lot to Mike about this, Dr. Mike, because I was like, you know, obviously this comes up quite a lot whenever my clients who are taking creatine and who are resistance training frequently go get their bloods done, it's showing up higher. And he was like, you should only really be worried about that. And this is a bit of a problem, but you should only really be worried if there's a significant change. Like if yeah. you always have elevated creatine kinase levels, like slightly, I don't mean like way out of range, it's probably quite a normal thing for you. If there's a significant change, that could mean there's a, there's been a change in your body that and if you have other symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. But I think like some GPs who potentially don't resistance train, don't really know about supplementation, would just see that as a red flag and be like, that, that must inherently be a bad thing. Um, but yeah, that... Yeah, I mean... I, I wouldn't I, be worried if it does come back higher because it's probably quite normal. Mine always come back slightly elevated. Mine too. I, and it's, it's, a, it's just a waste product. It's just your body's way of clearing something out. And it's not something exactly what Mike said it's not something to panic about unless all of a sudden there's some like mega shift and this happened to James when he went into when he briefly sojourned into MMA and um his because of he was sparring twice a day every day and James is like heavyweight like he's not and he was new to it and I think I don't know it was a fucking shit show anyway he he his body and his um his dietitian likened it to him basically getting his bloods taken the day after a test match against South Africa. South Africa are a very physical team, but it was elevated and it stayed elevated and it wasn't coming back down and there was a problem and it, it was a whole thing we had to deal with. Um, but exactly what Emma said, and very similar to cholesterol, 
as well. Different thing, but kind of really the same um, premise here or the same kind of thing to, to accept. If you've always had high HDL and LDL, and LDL is not the bad cholesterol, okay, and it is a precursor to, be, to becoming problematic, but it's a precursor nonetheless, okay? LDL and HDL, if you've always had high cholesterol, it's not something, if, as long as your diet is kind of on point, you know, you're not getting any kind of, you know, you're, you're monitoring things like alcohol, smoking, sugar, and yes, yes, high saturated fat diet. You know, as long as you're monitoring those things, it's not something you need to worry about. It's only when we see a huge new shift, it's like, oh, hang on, maybe this is causal and we need to walk it back a bit. I think what's hard is that most people don't know their baseline levels of anything. Yeah. So it's hard to be like, oh, that's significantly changed. And with the cholesterol thing, like total cholesterol doesn't really tell you very much, but like having high LDL might be an issue, but it also usually has very little to do with your diet. Yeah. And it's also like that I would be more interested in things like inflammation markers. I would, you know, if someone had high LDL and I do, I would A, look at the diet and then B, be like, okay, well, what are your inflammation markers telling? And it's not, it's just not something, I think everybody, a lot of people are like, it's genetic for me. There's really not much I can do about it. I think a lot of people really panic specifically about the LDL and it's like, you might not need to be panicking about this thing. And yeah, same with the creatine kinase. Um, okay, anything else on the- Oh my God, was the drug metformin? No, okay. that you were talking about, the supplement? No, 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 not metformin. No, no. I was like, what drug? When were we talking about drugs? <laughs> Have you got any drugs? <laughs> oh, too much coffee for Chloe. <laughs> hey, Sarah, one of my big challenges has always been the hidden calories I consume. And by this, I mean the little bit here and the little, oh, little bite here and the little bite there. And I do not end up including it in my recorded calories. Yep. I go to the fridge, I'll eat a mini baby bell. What a snack. I'll grab a few nuts from the cupboard. It's only a two-finger Kit Kat. I don't have my phone. I'll record it later then. My day's busy and then I don't record it. And I can see this is a pattern of behavior that on paper should be easy to get over. Just bloody track it. But in reality, this is not what happens. And then all of my deficit is eaten into with these tiny little morsels throughout the course of the day. How can I work on this? As I say, I know that logically, I know logically what I should do. But I have done it so many times, I need to put some real work into getting past it. Yeah, so this is really common. And this is an exact, a perfect example of what Emma and I mean when we say you think you're adhering to the calories, but you're not. And people are like, I think I would know. And it's like, really though, because a lot of people do that subconsciously. They don't even, they're not even aware that they're doing stuff like this. So it could be with portion sizes, like dishing something out or yeah, like, like having a little bit here and there. We talked about turkey dinosaurs before. Who can blame you for eating a turkey dinosaur? Um, it's a really, really common thing now. Well, do you know what else as well? Like condiments and things? Yeah. And often like you'll look at, you might even track it. You might be like, oh yeah, serving of ketchup. But the serving size like is freaking tiny. And we don't expect you to fucking spoon out your ketchup and stuff. But it's just being aware of these things. So it's good that you're so self-aware that you're like, I am doing this. That's like the first step. Because if you're like defensive about it from the off and you're like no, no no that's definitely not me I'm doing it perfectly then there's not really much we can do and also I think on that note like we are not here to judge you we just want the best from for you so if you can like get on our team and kind of be like okay well yeah I've not lost weight of this period of time I feel like I've been tracking accurately but clearly I've not been in a deficit 
how can we figure out together why that is and being like open to the fact that everyone's pretty shit at tracking and that's an inevitable point but as soon as you're open to that and you're mindful about it then you can make change from there I completely agree. The fact that like, you'd be amazed at how rare it is that people note that they're doing that, let alone say it out loud. Like, so well done. I half wonder if it's not a psychological thing. Like if I track it, it's going to say I'm over my calories and then I'm going to have to either rein it in tomorrow, like in terms of doing the same thing again, or like not eat as much at dinner. And if it's a bit of fear that if you track it, it's going to, it's going to mess with, you know, what you can have going forward now I, I, I've talked about this on my social media recently track it because you might be amazed at how little it's it maybe it is pushing you over your calories you might be amazed at how you can fit in a Kit Kat you can fit in a baby bell you can fit in both every day um and actually it's not gonna fuck with your deficit and if it does take you over a little bit just being like oh so instead of having two pieces of toast at breakfast I'll have one or in, and I promise you that's fine. Or instead of being like, oh, instead of having two protein bars today, I'll have one. And then you can really compromise with your diet, track it and see it as a, as a practical experiment as opposed to an emotional kind of chastise in a way. Yeah, and then it's just being, it's owning your actions, right? If you track it, then you can be like, oh, I am with my calories. Maybe that's why I'm not making the progress I wanted to make. Then you know why, instead of sort of burying your head in the sand and being like, if I don't track it, my fitness pal or so I'm in a deficit like doesn't matter what my fitness pal says your body knows if it's in a deficit or not that's what matters I would say that this exact example is why tracking is so useful so the fact that you're like well I'll just not track it or I've not got my phone on me or I'll do it later like one of the reasons that tracking works so well is nothing to do with the numbers and everything to do with the behaviors so the behavior of thinking instead of just grabbing some nuts I actually have to get my phone out. I actually have to put it in and then I can eat them. That kind of pause between, oh, I kind of want some nuts and I'm actually going to eat some nuts and thinking, am I bored or am I actually hungry? That's one of the things that's so, so useful about tracking. So I would maybe, I mean, I'll do one of two things. Like one, maybe try cutting out snacks and seeing how you feel or having one that you really enjoy, but sit down, track it enjoy it have a cup of tea like take your time with it instead of just like wandering to the fridge eating a baby bell and like you don't even notice that you've had it you don't even particularly enjoy it so that that would be my advice yeah I like I I like clients to really have like a a routine not a routine that's the wrong thing um structure yeah with snacking Again, do not snack all day. We talk about this so much. I won't repeat myself, but just like I'll have one between breakfast and lunch, one between lunch and dinner, and maybe one after dinner. Maybe. I mean, that's an example. But just being really like, you know, peg it down so that you're not it's like the intention, oh. right? It's living with intention and like intentionally eating, intentionally enjoying things as opposed to just like letting things happen to you. Yeah. And there is no problem with snacking. It's just the mindless eating that's the problem. Yeah. Anything else on the liveroo? On the liveroo, Jill's just saying, love the honesty of this from both the coaches and us. We all do it, even if we don't track it, our bodies will. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Samantha Thomas. Hey, Emma Story Gordon and Chloe Maidley. Oh, hi. Thanks for using our full names. Guys, you know that we like to be called Emma. Come on. <laughs> 
<laughs> what were you saying yesterday? Chlamelia. Chlamelia, and I'm always like dangerously close to chlamelia. <laughs> Claim to fame, never had it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just like to confirm that I've also never had it. Yeah, but you know how rare that is. Never having chlamydia. Yeah, my first day of uni, our uni nurse was like, "Be careful of chlamydia; it's rife around here." And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Wait, I'm going to Google this. How many people have had? Okay, have had chlamydia. I bet it's like fifty percent of sexually active people over the, over the age of twenty have had it. I like, like it's got to be high. Oh, this isn't particularly useful because it's giving me an actual number. Oh wait, how much of the population? Yeah, what percentage of the of sexually active? Um, this is weird. What? It's twenty six point four percent of physically inactive adults. Physically inactive. I'm not, I don't think you're looking. Did you? Stop? I love this. It's like, is chlamydia a big deal? It's not a big deal. <laughs> no biggie. Hang on. Well, um, not for men, but it is for women. If we don't get it seen, yeah. can fuck with fertility. Men are such. Don't get me. They can literally carry like every disease under the sun and be absolutely fine. And like for us, it's like, oh, now I can't have kids. Thanks for that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and many people don't realise they have it. So about 1.7 million chlamydia infections were reported in 2017. But the real number is likely higher. Under 100p. I mean, I'm amazed I made it through Freshers Week without getting it. <laughs> Let alone a full time. Um, okay. Samantha Thomas. Okay, I'm excited to be joining the group and thank you so much for all the amazing welcomes. My questions are, I'm 54, I'm 12 weeks post foot surgery and I've gained a few pounds during my recovery. I had been on fat loss bullshit last year. I was maintaining my 59 kg at 2000 calories. I'm about five foot two. With average daily spikes of 15k and three or four gym workouts per week, depending on DOMS, how my injury felt. My goal was hypertrophy, but as I've gained about eight pounds, so I need to get back to my 59 kg first before I work on building up. Or can I go straight into hypertrophy now? And what calories would you advise I should be on? I think I could hit 10k steps, but I'm also working around other joint issues. So I need to be careful. It feels like a bit of a mindful, to be honest. Thanks so much. Okay, so this is like this really weird yeah, thing about like, should I start building muscle and eat in a surplus first or should I lose fat first and the answer is really like well, why don't we try for both simultaneously so it's like why don't we start you just under maintenance you say it's, it's 2000 calories which is very normal although actually for your height not that normal but why don't we start you on 1800 a very slight deficit really get in the gym and I, I really can't help you with injuries Emma and I can't help you with injuries we're not physics we're not there with you we don't know what we're talking about like so we can't help you with that but general advice is get in the gym lift heavy lift in the sex and rep range that Emma's programmed for you really go in there with like work out with meaning like with every rep think about okay what what am I trying to do here in terms of you know muscle muscle hypertrophy work out properly nail that protein you know we say 20 grams minimum per meal 100 grams minimum per day there or thereabouts um and and let's see and we will likely if you if you do hit steps and that is a huge huge part of the puzzle which a lot of people overlook but I'm glad that you didn't make sure that you really hit those 70k weekly step average um, and we'll probably see fat loss as a byproduct of this and 
also hopefully if you're really focusing on it we're going to build some muscle so that would be my answer emma yep i totally agree i think don't put too much pressure on the steps if you're having joint pain and it's just going to make it worse like see how you go with the steps and see if it's causing pain obviously back off and there are other ways that you can expend energy that are more joint friendly so we can figure that out if we need to figure that out but yeah exactly as chloe said <clears throat> okay we've got one more on the live should we make it oh, the last one. yeah okay margaret hi emma and chloe i struggle with sleep will melatonin gummies have any negative effects on fat loss no um and arguably potentially a positive if you're sleeping better you're recovering better your hunger levels will be lower you'll make it easier to stick to your diet and you might get better fat loss results I agree, but I, but I would also say just keep an eye on how long you're going to be taking it. The whole point of melatonin is that it's a really short period of time you take it to kind of... Really around jet lag and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, to, to reset your circadian, circadian rhythm and it, it can be incredibly helpful. And also, arguably, a healthier way to go about it than, say, taking a night or one a night. Um, but but be, I, I wouldn't be expecting to be on it for longer than a, a week at most. So just something to consider there. Yeah, I think it's more useful for getting into a new sleeping routine. Exactly. Which, and maybe after a week, you would be in a, a better routine. But and also look at all the basic stuff, which I'm sure you have. But turning your phone off, winding down, like all the sleep hygiene things that we know are good that often we don't do and then wonder why we're not sleeping. And mm -hmm. if you're worried about things, can you write those down before you go to bed and just get it out of your head? Dark room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So make sure you're doing them first before you even think about supplementing 100 percent agree um okay so we're done i i wanted to just very quickly ask emma something so somebody asked me on another q a post i did a few days ago about biohacking and i interpreted it to mean something very very specific and it wasn't until james was like oh that's not how i interpret biohacking that i messaged emma like how do you interpret biohacking i just wanted emma to explain really for my benefit but for everyone emma well, I don't know what the definition of biohacking. And so I thought, so somebody said to me recently that they did a biohacking diet. And I said, what's that? And they said, it's eating for your body type. And I was like, oh, fuck off. Right. <laughs> so it's in like specific food groups and no specific food groups for body type. I was like, fuck that shit, which is how I interpreted it. When James read it, he was like, oh, that's not how I interpret biohacking. I, and this is what Emma said. It's something to, like Tony Robbins did a whole thing on it. And it's like this, it's like, cold showers and things like that right and that's what emma said like that's but now i'm yeah, really i think it's really broadly like anything you can do to quote unquote hack your biology so it could be things like relates to this like taking melatonin it could yeah. be things like i mean i think it would go as far as things like microdosing yeah and, and people have done i don't even know is it crypsa anyway like you can gene edit now which is quite actually quite scary but like there's so much new science in that you can actually edit your own genes and i would put that like i think a lot of people epigenetic realm yeah also call themselves biohackers not epigenetics like actually, actually editing your genes yeah. that's it it's like a, like a common thing that's happening oh, oh it's totally not a common thing but you can do things like i mean one of the things that i read an article about a while ago was turning myostatin changing the myostatin gene so that you could build more muscle as you wanted or like more muscle than we already can cows 
It's crazy. Yeah, you'd be like a Belgian blue. But the problem is, I don't think it's particularly, well, they've not figured out how to make it specific. So if you only wanted that like in a certain area and then what impact that has on other areas in your body, like it's, it's all very new and like exciting, I guess. But yeah, there is like that technology now. I mean, it'd be exciting if we could use it more for actually helping people as opposed yeah, to- Yeah, and I think most of the research, yeah, is done around like genetic disorders and whether they can yeah. help them. Well, I mean, I would hope, yeah, I would hope so. Okay, fine. All right, well, that's the fab note to end on. Goodbye, everybody. We will see you tomorrow. We will see you tomorrow.